The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Jesus came down with the twelve and stood on a stretch of level ground with a great crowd of his disciples and a large number of the people from all Judea and Jerusalem and the coastal region of Tyre and Sidon. And raising his eyes toward his disciples, he said, Blessed are you who are poor, for the kingdom of God is yours. Blessed are you who are now hungry, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who are now weeping, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, and when they exclude and insult you, and denounce your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice and leap for joy on that day. Behold, your reward will be great in heaven, for their ancestors treated the prophets in the same way. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are filled now, for you will be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you will grieve and weep. Woe to you when all speak well of you, for their ancestors treated the false prophets in this way. The Gospel of the Lord. Blessed are you who are poor, for the kingdom of God is yours. Woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. These words can fill us with some fear and trepidation, and as they should, all the gospel should be a good call to us for conversion. But there's more to this than simply dispossessing ourselves of everything and living like St. Francis. That is a calling for some, but it's not that radical poverty a calling for all of us. There's something deeper about this meaning of poverty. For example, it's okay to have possessions, but using it well and not being attached to them, having a spirit of poverty is far more important than objective poverty. It's not suddenly if I gave away all my money that I'm guaranteed heaven. That's not how it works. And yet we should be good custodians and seek to try to give to the poor, provide for the needy, and at the same time keep whatever we need for our state in life so that we may serve our families well. This is true about poverty, but today I want to speak about a particular kind of poverty that I think focusing on would be very helpful. When we talk about poverty of money, one of the best ways to live this spirit of poverty is through gratitude. We have this great mantra, grateful no matter what, here at this parish, and that's a powerful reminder that one of the ways to be detached from material wealth is through gratitude. Then there's divesting ourselves of things that we don't need or even things that we very much desire but actively cast away from us so that we can be purified and detached. And then finally, to cultivate a yearning for eternal things. Now all that has to do with material wealth. But the poverty I want to talk about today has to do with these images from the Old Testament. It's interesting, in our minds we think the Beatitudes are a New Testament innovation, that the Old Testament had the Ten Commandments, but the New Testament, they have the Beatitudes. But listen to Jeremiah and to our psalm. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, 
whose hope is the Lord. And then the psalm, blessed is the man who follows not the counsel of the wicked, nor walks in the way of sinners, nor sits in the company of the insolent, but delights in the law of the Lord, and meditates on his law day and night. These Beatitudes in the New Testament are a direct reference to these Old Testament Beatitudes in Jeremiah and the Psalms. And there's something about the spirit of the Blessed One, the righteous man who trusts in the Lord and lives by him, not trusting himself to the counsels of the wicked, but really keeps to the way of righteousness by meditating on the law of God. This contrast between the just one and the wicked, being one who lives with the Lord versus the one who associates with the wicked, transforms into this New Testament idea of the last blessed in Luke's gospel and the last woe. And here's what I mean. Jesus said, blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude and insult you and denounce your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. For their ancestors treated the prophets in the same way. And then woe to you when all men speak well of you. For their ancestors treated the false prophets in this way. So the blessed one is the one who holds fast to the son of man. And is scorned by the wicked. Just like the prophets were scorned by the wicked. The one who seeks the esteem of men. And consort with the wicked is the one who will be dispossessed of everything because the false prophets who seek to be praised by all men lost everything in the eyes of God when they gave false messages merely for human esteem of the wicked. The poverty I want to talk about today is poverty of our esteem in the eyes of others. And I think this is much more difficult to achieve than even material poverty or poverty of spirit. Poverty of the esteem in the eyes of others is one of the most prominent defects that we struggle with in our society. And here's what I mean. If you listen to the conversation among, whether it's adults or young people, you often hear things like, oh, you, what grade did you get on that test? What's your GPA? Where are you ranked? What is your SAT score? What did you get on your ACT? Oh, I did badly. I got a 34. I'll have to take it again. But these are the things being said. Furthermore, a common question is, well, what do you do for a living? Like that matters for our dignity. Where do you work? What college did you attend? What's your major going to be? What's your job description? How much do you make? All of these questions of associating our dignity with these status symbols, this esteem of men, is a major downfall of many. And it's a caution for all of us. I, I think it's difficult for any of us to be completely free of all aspects of this esteem of men. But the contrast here for us given in Jeremiah and given in the psalm, talks about two types of plants. The one who the esteem of God is enough, that's all they need, is like a tree planted by running waters. But the one who relies upon the esteem of men 
is like a barren bush in the desert. There's just nothing to sustain it. Remember, the drought and the sun comes for all of us. There are always times of desolation, whether you're the tree by running waters or the barren bush in the desert. But one of these plants survives and the other does not. If we base our entire life on the esteem of men and our prestige and our status by grades or GPA or what our major is going to be, what college we're going to attend, what our job is now, how many figures we make, all of those things, we will die. But the just one lives by trust in the Lord. If he is the measure of our life, if possessing the Lord is the only thing that we care about, not the esteem of men, then we'll receive. But that's how the prophets were treated. Lord, the ones who hold fast to him, as opposed to those, woe to those who trust in, in order to purify ourselves of the esteem of men, I recommend that we adopt just small policy, small little changes in our life to begin to transform to holding fast to the Lord as our strength and soul possession and basis of our dignity rather than the esteem of men. And here's how to do it practically speaking. Instead of asking any of those questions about GPA, grades, SAT, ACT, major, college, etc., be those questions. In other places, we can do that to help spur each other on to greatness. Like, what are your plans when somebody's deadbeat, got no plans, doesn't have any aspirations in life? That is not a problem with this community, right? There's no one here... There is not a single kid in that school that I'm worried about of saying, you know, they're not really inspired to do anything great with their life. That's not a worry. But what we can do is direct through our conversation where our thoughts and our hearts should be by asking about the right things. Did you do your best? I don't need you to be perfect. I don't need you to be the most talented lacrosse player. I don't need you to be the most talented mathematician. Did you do your best? Did you manifest virtue through your performance in your academics, your athletics, whatever it may be? Did you manifest excellence through your virtue? And then asking a question, how's your prayer life going? I know that's a scary thing to ask, but it's the most. So why don't we turn our focus and ask about the things that really matter rather than focus on these little things that We're called to a higher standard and conversation through our asking the right questions and building each other up to dignity in the Lord, him alone being our sole possession, him alone being our strength, him of God. And through that, we proclaim the gospel.